0: Hello, Tokyo Here, Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Mikoroi Hawkins. Coming up first. To let the
1: people aware of what we should have said if we had been able to move the motion of
0: Conference. Opposition party members in Kiribati are determined to remove the country's president over judicial issues. Also,
2: we can't stop disasters from impacting our
0: communities, but we can work to reduce the impact and risks that they cause. Fiji's Blackrock military camp is to become a Pacific disaster response hub, and later on... The
3: whales are actually fantastic. It's a toner of, of new age.
0: They're having a whale of a time in new with the largest humpback migration in many seasons underway. The opposition in Kiribati is not being deterred from its plan to remove President Tanis Mamau over his treatment of the country's judiciary. Opposition MP and Kiribati's founding president, Sir Irmaid Tabai, says they were thwarted in their efforts last week to have a motion of no confidence debated before the House went into recess. This comes after the government tried to deport High Court Judge David Lamborn, then suspended the Chief Justice and the Court of Appeal judges, accusing them of trying to turn Kiribati into a judicial tyranny. RNZ Pacific has sought explanations from the Kiribati government, but these have not been forthcoming. But Sir Jeremiah told Don Wiseman the opposition is not giving up.
1: We plan to have public meetings starting from next Saturday. The aim of the meeting is to let the people aware of what we should have said when we, if we had been able to move the motion of low confidence because they did not have an idea of what we should have said because the media is, is really is at the control of government. I mean, there's only one paper, the main one owned by government and I have a small one. I own a small one paper and and the radio, of course, is the control of government. It's very hard to get the message across and that's why our only means now is to actually have public meetings. Our feeling is that... Uh, Many people have now ability to understand the, the issues involved, but we thought it would be better if we actually moved the villages and let the people ask us of any issues they want to pursue with us on uh, the questions of the issues that are uh, being debated and discussed in public now.
4: All right. So
1: the motion of no
4: confidence, is that off the table? Parliament's it's again in November and December. So uh, does the motion return then or not?
1: That's up to us now. Or to just allow the thing to lapse, or we can put the thing again in the meeting next time. Uh, I can't speak on behalf of a party now, but uh, my assumption is that we may have to put it again on, on, on the floor of the House.
4: Now, you managed to get a few uh, written questions through to the President and got responses. And I've seen those responses, yes. very vague, but some of them are fascinating because he accused David Lamborn, the High Court judge that he's been trying to deport, accused him of undermining the security of Kiribati.
1: Does that make any sense to you? No, it doesn't, because when the President signed a a order on instrument saying that uh, David is a threat, he's not a threat at all. David has been here for more than 10 years, you know. And the the piece of paper he signed was an attempt to try uh, and get David out. But uh, since after the at the end of the parliament, uh, David has been issued with another order to live here. He was given 21 days. And after that, I assume the government is going to forcefully uh, deport him. My view, he, he has no power to do that because all the issues uh, has been resolved by the Court of Appeal. What he's doing now is really it's respecting the, the, the decision of the, of the Court of Appeal and our constitution as well. He's bound by the decision of the Court of Appeal and he simply ignoring. the thing. And we know that is not on in a democracy. And they don't seem to bother about it. You talk about
4: how the media in Kiribati is very largely controlled by the government and they only carry the government line. They won't talk to overseas media. In fact, they've been denigrating in some of the press releases they've put out of the overseas media but we've tried again and again and again to talk to them. I know that in terms of the Court of Appeal, they're claiming that there was no reason for the Court of Appeal to get involved in any of these matters, yet, of course, they're legal matters, so
1: they're going to. The case
4: was referred to them.
1: They're repeating the same argument. You just give up with the broadcasting here. They are not doing their job, and that's the problem now.
4: What have they been telling the people of Kiribati? What What is being said? Because clearly, we're getting a different view.
1: I don't follow the thing every day. But uh, my understanding is they put out verbatim the, the line of government on the issue now being argued in public. For me, uh, I simply don't have the trust in the whole organisation. No, I don't have trust. Uh, and that's why, as I said, we're going to now with the public uh meetings in effort to try and uh, and get as many as far to understanding the issues involved in the in the debate
4: now you'll have this meeting next Saturday and you're planning a series of meetings are you?
1: Yes, and it's going to take us i am not sure how, how long, but it may take us more than a week to cover the the world of bewa South, assuming that we can uh, tackle uh, three around three villages or neighbours,
4: the There's been a series of controversies under this current government, of course. The, the re-establishment of links with Beijing and the sudden pulling out of the Pacific Islands Forum. Well, what do you, as a veteran politician, but also, what is your feeling that the people have about these
1: moves? Well, I, I strongly oppose the withdrawal of from the Forum. And the reasons are silly. There's no real reason why we should Leave the organization, really. If you look at uh, how many the reasons uh, are given, they simply don't make sense at all. And I don't know because, you know, they want to say we are brave and so on, you know. When in, in fact, they are silly. They are sick, I, I told them. They are simply and fit to be in government. And they are lying, you know. One of the things we've we'll been doing is to broadcast to play what he said during the last e- elections. And very funny, he said he never uh, made... So my statement and he, he accused us of manipulating the tips Yeah. So we we play the thing now, you know, from the recording that we have and to make the people make their own judgment to say who is lying. Because the president is a liar, complete liar.
0: Fiji's recently upgraded Black Rock military campus to serve as a humanitarian aid depot for the Pacific region. The one hundred million Australian dollar upgrade was carried out with funding from Australia, with the official handover taking place in March this year. Its future function as a regional disaster response hub was endorsed by Pacific Ministers of Disaster Management on the weekend. Pacific disaster experts hope having a Pacific Disaster Relief Depot will shorten the time it takes to mobilize help to affected countries in Oceania. Lidia Movono reports from Fiji.
2: The Pacific is the most disaster-prone region on Earth. The World Risk Index notes Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, and Tonga as the top three countries vulnerable to disaster. And six other Pacific nations are in the top 20 most at-risk countries, including Papua New Guinea, Kiribati, and Fiji. Seeking ways to improve leadership around reducing disaster risk and increasing resilience, representatives from 17 Pacific countries and territories gathered in Nandi in Fiji over the weekend for the region's first ever high-level meeting of Pacific ministers responsible for disasters.
1: First, it would be uh, first, we know that the disaster ministers have considered that the BlackRock Peacekeeping and Humanitarian Assistance and Disaster Relief Facility be used as a regional humanitarian depot.
2: One of the biggest outcomes from the meeting was the announcement that Fiji's recently upgraded BlackRock military camp will serve as a depot to stockpile humanitarian supplies with the aim of speeding up disaster response efforts in the region. Fiji's disaster minister, Inia Seruratu, who chaired the Pacific Disaster Risk Reduction Ministers' Meeting, made the BlackRock announcement.
1: That would help overcome the challenges of geography in the Pacific and enable our humanitarian actors to preposition and stockpile relief items and support equipment for swift delivery in emergency situations.
2: Seruratu told participants that effective disaster response begins well before the wind starts blowing or the seas start rising. With Fiji already being a major connection hub for the Pacific, providing air access links to and from many neighboring states, the ministers hope the Fijian military camp will more than halve the time it currently takes to respond to disasters. The Pacific Community's Acting Director General, Rhonda Robinson, said such initiatives emerging from this inaugural meeting of disaster ministers, which now becomes part of the forum's calendar of ministerial gathering, highlights the importance of political leadership and inclusive approaches in disaster risk management. We can't stop disasters
0: from impacting our communities, but we can work to reduce the impact and risks that they cause. To do this, we all know we need to include the political leadership, inclusivity with communities at the table in a genuine way.
2: There has been a lot of regional instability and political upheaval in the Pacific over the past 12 months. And work is still underway to try and mend bridges with Kiribati after its withdrawal from the Pacific Islands Forum this year. Nevertheless, the forum, a co-organizer of the Disaster Ministers' Meeting, says it is confident that the countries and territories in Oceania will work together. The forum's Deputy Secretary-General, Philemon Manoni, from the Republic of the Marshall Islands, says the cooperation between Pacific Islands Ministers for Disaster Management showed there was political will to try and do things differently. Dr. Manoni says the commitments made in Nandi were in line with the 2050 strategy for the Blue Pacific, which was launched by Pacific Forum leaders in July this year.
0: In the context of uh, disaster risk uh, management, uh, as the chair has said, uh, there should be nobody left behind. And that principle was uh, advocated uh, during the minister's
2: meeting. The AUD $100 million upgrade of the BlackRock Peacekeeping and Humanitarian Assistance and Disaster Relief Camp in Nandi was funded by Australia as part of its increased defense engagement with the Pacific region. Officially handed over in March this year, BlackRock now features state-of-the-art security training facilities and contains the region's biggest humanitarian relief supplies warehouse outside of Australia and New Zealand.
0: The people of Tonga are wary of the latest volcanic eruptions after the impact that the destructive Hunga Tonga Hunga Harpai eruption had in January. Home Reef, which is between the Wabau and Harpai Island groups, has been erupting for the past 12 days. It has posed a slight risk, with mariners cautioned about approaching it, but the Tonga Geological Services has raised the warning to orange after an increase in the number of eruptions. Don Wiseman spoke to Kalafi Moala to get some background on the latest eruptions. Since
5: the 10th of September all the way up to Saturday this past Saturday there've there been continuous activity of volcanic activity on the island. There has also been the emergence of a, a whole new island out of the reef. There's so much activity there right now that within 5 days the, the size of the island has grown from 1 acre six acres. So as you can imagine, the, the activity continues there and there's a lot of concern, obviously, from the population because it, it, it was in January 15th when the major eruption took place It affected all of us here in Tonga. So any kind of news about any eruption anywhere within the vicinity is a bit threatening and frightening
4: for the public. Tell us just a little bit about uh, Home Reef. How far away is it from settlements?
5: Well, the the closest to the home region is an island called Latte in the Vava'u area. So it's further north from, say, the Hungatonga, Hunga, Haapai eruption. And so it is located between Vava'u and the Haapai islands. 25 kilometers from the island of Latte and a major population area is an island north of Haapai and it's 90 kilometers from there. It's a, a bit far from major population areas, and talking to geologists here, they say uh, we need to be careful, but it's not threatening. There are no restrictions placed on, on anything other than the fact that small boats are not allowed to be within four kilo- kilometers of the island. Home with, uh, the, the Tongan name for it is Fonuale, and it's it's been a known volcano for, for quite some time. It's just that I guess we didn't think it was going to be uh, alive and active at this time.
4: Prior to this, when was the last eruption?
5: Well, they have had an eruption uh, in that uh, area uh, of probably about three, four years ago. And, uh, but it, it, it's quite small compared with what has been uh, happening right now. For, for example, one, one of the, of the eruptions blew into the air, ashes into the air, one kilometre high. So that's pretty big. The previous eruptions were basically just a formation. All of a sudden, you'd have a reef come out of the ocean. Uh, you have that kind of thing uh, happen.
4: The government has lifted the uh, the warning, hasn't it? I think you've gone to an orange warning. So is that a suggestion that they think it might intensify?
5: Yes, the latest word from the talent geologist is that we cannot be too careful. And, of course, this is what happened with the previous volcano in in January of this year when it blew. We were not given a warning. Nobody predicted it was going to happen. So um, even with the, the light activity going on now, the word is just be cautious, just be careful. Don't go
4: near it. There on Tongatapu, are you actually noticing anything? Smoke, steam, no. noise?
5: No, we're not noticing anything here in, uh, in Tongatapu. Uh, no, not at all. Not like, of course, the Honga Tonga Honga Hapai was much closer to us, but it's just uh, about 40 kilometers north of us. Uh, this is quite far.
0: Referred to as one of the taungas of Niue, humpback whales migrate from Antarctica to the Rock of Polynesia to breed and raise their calves annually between July and September. This year's whale season has seen an unusual increase of humpback whales in Niue's waters, much to the delight of locals and tourist operators. Susanna Suiswiki spoke with Kiwi business operator Evan Barclay, who's the managing director of Dive Niue, to learn more about the migratory patterns of the whales in the Pacific. She began by asking him, though, about his operation in Niue and how he came to start business there.
3: to you. Um, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, so Niue Blue was uh, uh, the idea, came from many years of, from our sister and parent company Dive Tutukata in New Zealand. Um, which I've worked with for about 17 years. And the owners of Daipetikaka and myself and my wife Jana um, saw that there was an opportunity to branch out into the Pacific from New Zealand, Um, mainly because the seasons in New Zealand are limited to the summertime and the winters we had a number of staff which uh, we wanted to try and retain but weren't able to keep them employed all year round. So with the Pacific uh, tourist season being through the winter months, was the perfect um, uh, option to look into the Pacific of an option of, of finding somewhere that, that we could um, have staff, keep them employed all year round, essentially. So that was our main, um, our main uh, theory of why we wanted to sort of start something in the Pacific. And then we did look at other Pacific islands. However, we came to Niue and fell in love with it straight away in, as far as its uh, culture, its uniqueness. Um, And of course, it's amazing marine environment as well. So we um, managed to to settle on Niue.
2: What can you tell us about the whale season in Niue? What makes Niue the ideal place for whales to visit?
3: Oh, well, the the whales are absolutely fantastic. It's Tonga of of Niue. The the humpback whales migrate every year to to the warm waters of Niue and uh, they come here to primarily give birth but the amazing thing with Niue being the rock of Polynesia is it doesn't have an outer reef so um, you get very deep water very close to the shoreline and that means the humpback whales can only sometimes be uh, you know 15-20 meters just off off the shore um, coming right in close um, and which for tourists being here it um, means it doesn't matter where you go on the island quite often, you can see whales um, from the shore. And um, also for, for us operating, it means that um, our whale watching and whale swimming activities can be very, very close, even sort of uh, 20, 50 metres straight from, off, out from the wharf where we launched. So um, it, it means that uh, uh, it's a perfect environment for it, being so close and very nice and sheltered and also deep, deep and clear, clear water. Um, Niue has some of the clearest water in all the Pacific Islands. Um, There's no runoff off off the island at all, so the clarity of water is unparalleled, meaning that um, it's a perfect place to be able to observe them in their natural environment.
2: With the volcanic eruption that happened in Tonga back in January, are there more whales than usual migrating to Niue?
3: Uh, since the Tongan eruption at the start of the year um, and compared to the last couple of seasons, the numbers of whales in New Age this year for the 2022 season has been unparalleled. There's been uh, really, really amazing uh, New Age whale numbers that have been sighted, and even some of the, the matua that have been fishing here and being out in their vakas and news and fishing boats for many years have stated this is been a year that they've seen more whales than whenever they could remember. So um, there has been some theories that perhaps um, you know the, some of the whales that would normally migrate to Tonga um, have come across to Niue. Um, they are very sensory um, creatures uh, in the water, so um, even any um, seismic activity left over or residue from the eruption may have turned a little bit out towards where and because Ponga is the nearest point of land to Nui so it's not far uh, out of their migration um, of routes to come over and um, spend their time during the winter months in Nui. So um, theory behind it, yes, it has uh, more numbers here but We'd, we'd need to do some more scientific research on that to really back it up.
2: With climate change rapidly affecting the Pacific, what impact does this have on whales and other marine mammals that travel across the region?
3: Yeah, look, I think um, climate change is a huge challenge for, for all of us, including the whales. Um, Everybody uh, seems to be impacted, and once again, I'm not a climate scientist, but um, not only is it creating impacts in in the tropical waters where we are, as far as uh, coral bleaching, um, stresses on the ecosystem here, but also it can have massive impacts on the humpback populations and their feeding grounds in Antarctica. How much climate change is affecting the whale populations, um, time will obviously tell and quite awfully um, once we do realise how much impact it has, it's becoming too late, so um, I, th- I think that uh, we will need to do a lot more research um, on the, the humpback populations that come to Niue and, and to this part of the Pacific.
0: Thank you, Tomas, for having on Pacific waves. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Look at me, Fala, next time more.